from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Hello and welcome to another edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. With my co-host Eric Raskin, I am Kieran Mulvaney. Eric, 2021 is here at last and already there's, there's one significant difference. I welcomed the new year by actually staying up and welcoming the new year. Yes, I, Kieran Mulvaney, stayed up past midnight. I'm not actually planning on doing that too often or even necessarily again, ever. But it was a pretty exciting development in my life. I mean, how about you? Did you actually make it to the very, very end of 2020? Yeah, you know, I hope that our listeners bet the parlay of <laughs> Raskin and Mulvaney both stay up until midnight because that, that had to pay out pretty big. We were both long shots. This could be a strange and unpredictable year if uh, if its opening moments are any indication. Yeah, I was, I was wide awake when the ball dropped at midnight. I did have two particular aids getting me across that finish line, though. Uh, first, around 8 p.m., my wife and I decided to check out a three-hour Crosby, Stills, and Nash documentary, and I slept through the last half hour of it. So that's cheating, I guess, getting in a power nap from 10.30 to 11. Uh, and then as the ball drop neared, we turned on Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen. Uh, who... Me too. At about the same time. Yeah, they're, they're not terribly entertaining personalities in my view, but they're fine. I'll t- I choose them over Seacrest. Uh, we'll go with that. They're fine when they're blazing drunk as they apparently were <laughs> right they were apparently doing shots before i turned it on and uh, and and continued to afterwards but so we had them on and i i guess if you did as well then you know that at about 11:40 they started interviewing mariah carey and if there is a more vacuous human alive i've not seen him or her interviewed it was so painful so we channel surfed and we came back every two minutes or so to check if the Mariah Carey interview was over. And it just kept going on and on. They're getting close to midnight. So I kept working the remote. And it is my experience that it's harder to fall asleep while channel surfing than when settled on a single channel. It's not impossible to fall asleep, mind you. I've, I've definitely passed out with the channel guide on the screen. Uh, but but it, it's harder if you're working the remote. So It's the I guess, flexing of the thumb muscle. That's there, what it does. There's it's that. It sends the signals to the brain. Or <laughs> but, also, but also you're using the brain to try to calculate, is Mariah Carey done yet? Have they moved on? Let's check. Has it? How much time has passed? So yeah, you're, you're exercising mental and physical muscles there. And so uh, yeah, I made it to midnight. I did the countdown and I, I think I fell asleep around 12. 15 yeah i can't remember if it was i came in right at the end of that and the last bit that i saw with them i think it was after midnight was the infomercial slash interview with snoop oh i didn't we make it to that. that nope nope where, where basically uh, andy was asking him giving him a number of like locations and asking him if he'd been completely wasted there or not was one of the locations the tyson jones fight it actually wasn't. No, uh, there was Martha Stewart's house, the White House, right? Uh, various other. Basically, the answer to everything was yes. <laughs> was yes, right? <laughs> Ex- except the DMV. Ah, okay. <laughs> Which is what he's saying, anyway. Right. Sounds like I definitely missed the better of the two interviews between Mariah Carey and Snoop. I would say so. Uh, but we've got some good interviews coming up. Not just today, but uh, over the coming year, we hope, on the Showtime Boxing Podcast. Welcome back. We are here for 2021. As you can tell, it is, of course, our first podcast of 2021. Uh, and as we escape the horror 
that was 2020, we uh, turn our sights to the coming 12 months ahead. So during this uh, podcast episode, Eric and I are going to list the five things we are each most hoping for in boxing in the year to come. Uh, and we also speak with a good friend of the podcast, Showtime's own Brian Custer. Uh, but before we do that, let's look back on the first major boxing card of the new year, as in Dallas on Saturday evening, Ryan Garcia recovered from the first knockdown of his professional career to stop former Olympic gold medalist and world title challenger Luke Campbell with a body shot in the seventh round. Uh, Eric, what did you see in that performance from Ryan Garcia that makes you more optimistic about his potential, if anything? And was there anything that, in fact, conversely made you feel a little bit less optimistic about his, his potential? Does the fact that he had to work for his win a bit and he even had to get up off the canvas make this... Uh, a more or less impressive win and more importantly does it actually make the win more valuable for him as a, as a lesson in the long term well anytime a fighter gets knocked down and gets up to win you take both positive and negative from it uh this is certainly no exception luke campbell is a very good smart professional fighter by the way so you know getting dropped by him doesn't necessarily mean you were exposed and revealed to be some kind of a fraud uh but Garcia's defense has some big holes. He doesn't move his head. When he's thinking offense, he tends to forget about defense. To me, this was not a fluky knockdown. This was something repeatable by other world-class fighters if he doesn't improve his defense. That said, he certainly can realistically improve his defense working with the Reynosos. We've seen them pull that uh, feed off. So there's something to watch for there going forward. He clearly responded well. To getting knocked down, both mm-hmm. in terms of physically shaking it off, you know, showing a decent chin, I guess, um, and mentally staying on track. To me, when it's all said and done, his potential remains about the same as I thought it was going into this fight. Um, you know, a half notch below those prospects that I see and think they can someday be number one pound for pound, like a Boots Ennis, mm-hmm. but only, only a half notch below. This is a guy who... Still looks like he might be headed for the pound-for-pound top 10 someday if he keeps improving. The power is real, that's for sure. Um, And and speaking of the power, no doubt this was a good thing for him in the long run, that it wasn't another easy KO one, that he had to go some rounds and overcome adversity and work for this. So I'd be shocked if this fight doesn't make him better, uh, more prepared for the challenges that await when he faces the elite when he faces those guys who might be even more talented than he is. And there are a few of them in his weight range, uh, as we'll discuss. Um, I think my biggest concern here, though, surfaced in a quick interaction Garcia had in the dressing room afterward with Campbell. I'm not sure if you saw this on social media. So Luke came in to congratulate him. And Garcia, instead of praising Campbell for knocking him down and uh, you know giving him the toughest fight of his young career... He asked him, am I the biggest puncher you ever faced? That was, that was his first thing he said to, to Campbell. It reeked of extreme self-absorption. Mm-hmm. And then a few seconds later, Garcia was celebrating himself by saying, I guess pretty boys can fight. Uh, it, it was like it was a gift wrapped opportunity to be humble and classy and praise your opponent. And the fact that he went the opposite direction and didn't seemed to realize what he was doing. Like, it didn't seem malicious. It just like he didn't realize that he was being kind of douchey. Um, it leads me to believe that Garcia is a legit egomaniac uh, and believes all his own hype. And, you know, that that's good to a point. But 
I don't know, maybe it won't impact his career negatively, and I'm just letting my anti-douchebag bias show, but the kid definitely <laughs> seemed like a douchebag in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, then again, plenty of douchebags have reached the top of the boxing mountain, so <laughs> it might not mean anything. Um, but speaking of reaching the top of the mountain, there was a lot of hyperbole before and after this fight from the DAZN announced crew. The phrase future of boxing was thrown around a lot. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with not just how good Garcia is or could be, but also how popular he is on social media. The excessive hype notwithstanding, Kieran, just how big of a star do you think he could be? And there's a pack of exciting young fighters in and around the lightweight division right now. And a lot of their names were mentioned post-fight. Devin Haney, Javante Davis, Teofimo Lopez. Where does King Rai fit in among that group? It's, it's actually really exciting when you take a step back and think about it. That you, yeah. you have this grouping of legitimately talented and, and charismatic also young fighters uh, all sort of in or around the same weight division and all in and around the same age as well. Um, yeah. Although then, of course, you get excited and then you realize it's boxing um, <laughs> and that all four are with separate promoters and, you know, three separate uh, network slash streaming services and it's going to take a lot of things to go the right way if we're going to see them like fight some kind of four young princes scenario or right. anything like that um as for the whole future of boxing thing though i mean but what this basically comes down to and you touched on it is a sophisticated argument that runs along the lines of ryan garcia has lots of social media followers the end um and the notion that this translates into him therefore being the future of boxing generally comes from middle-aged boxing commentators who figure that if the kids like the social media then if they like a social media person who's a boxer they're like boxing um I, i suspect there might be a little bit of a reaction there to the whole like learning the wrong lessons from the whole logan jake paul Mm. thing uh and the argument that you know that, that their supporters make that because they have bajillions of social media followers they'll somehow bring those followers to boxing uh, and then it becomes sort of subconsciously, hey, we don't need those interlopers. We have our own social media star. And there's also, I think, that sort of subconscious constant yearning for boxing to be, quote unquote, relevant again. Um, look, it is extremely important that boxers sell themselves. And all the more so now that used to be there was a well-worn path for at least some of the elite to get, you know, well-known well before they became champions. You know, go to the Olympics, get like coverage on the networks and the Olympics, right. you know, get coverage on the networks as your career builds up, blah, blah, blah. That's not an option anymore. Um, if you're a very, very good fighter who's very bad at social media, specifically in media generally, you wind up like Terence Crawford, mm-hmm. who's a very, very good fighter who's very, very bad at media <laughs> and social media generally and is you know, kicking his heels, looking for a really good fight. Um, Conversely, Floyd, for all his phenomenal skill, didn't really make it big until he decided to adopt this Money May persona and and sort of cross over that way. So, yes, it's very important for a fighter to have that kind of following and be aware of how to cultivate a following. Doesn't mean he's the future of boxing. Um, You know, it's interesting. The buzz, I think, probably would have been, like, probably even bigger had the internet been a thing when Oscar De La Hoya was in the position that Ryan Garcia is in now. Right. Um, and, and even without it, he was arguably at least as big um, at the same age as Garcia is now. In fact, Garcia is 22, and two weeks after his 22nd birthday, De La Hoya was beating John John Molina and then beat Rafael Ruelas, Gennaro Hernandez, and Jesse James Leha. That's a guy who could reasonably call himself at the time the future of boxing. But um, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people read your Instagram posts when you're being punched in the face. Uh, Does he have what it takes inside the ring to back it up? Uh, I think he's very talented. I I picked him in our under 25 draft. Um, He's got natural skills. He's got speed. He's got power. 
I like the way he throws some of his shots. I like the way he slightly subtly faked to throw a left hook upstairs before digging it downstairs when he finished Campbell off. It was a really subtle little move, but he did it very well. Uh, I made the note here, and it's something we've talked about before, about the fact that his defense isn't uh, top caliber at all. Uh, I also made the note the same that you mentioned, that he's around the Renosos, and so therefore the probably the best people to fix that for him. Yeah. But the other thing I made a note, and you talked about it, you know, with that dressing room thing, is the thing that's kind of bugged him and followed him around for a while is this notion that he is, to use your phrase, a bit of a douchebag. Um, <laughs> that's been a thing for a little while, like for years, even when, um, you know, he was sort of coming up and, and, and with Golden Boy, there was talk about how. There was friction there that folks at Golden Boy didn't particularly like him, right. that there were, you know, people around him who didn't particularly like him because he was very self-absorbed. I, I think the fact that he's around Canelo would hope would hopefully help with that. Right. Um, in that, you know, if if that's your personality, that's your personality. But I would think that being around Canelo is, is the kind of influence that you need to get rid of some of the extraneous stuff and focus on what you need to focus on uh, inside the ring. So hopefully he'll be able to do that and, and keep him on the straight and narrow and help him really maximize his potential. Um, of the four that you mentioned, I'd put him behind Tank. I might put him level-ish slightly ahead of Devin Haney, and I think Teofimo Lopez is on potentially another level entirely. But, you know, the natural ability is there. And I think if he applies it and pushes himself, learns the lessons that he needs to learn, listens to the Renosas, listens to Canelo, he could have a really good career. Um, future boxing? I don't think anyone fight as the future of boxing. Right. Um, but he's got a good future. For sure. I, and I think I think that uh, when we had uh, Coach Calvin on the podcast and we asked him about some opponents for Javante yeah. Davis and he jumped on that name, that tells us a lot about both the marketing power of King Rai uh, and the fact that he is perceived perhaps as maybe the least spectacular prospect, the least yeah. uh, least sure thing prospect of those four guys. I think that both of those things are kind of true and factor into just how far he will go. One uh, nickel's worth of free advice for you, Kieran. Uh, trademark four princes now reserve <laughs> reserve the book title whatever you have to do i hadn't heard that before that anyone calling them the four princes i'm not if you came up with that good for you trademark it because that could really stick i like that there you go all right see 2021's off to a great start yes. there you go all right uh let's turn now to our first guest of the year we are thrilled of course to have him join us uh, he's a good friend of the podcast he's very familiar to all our listeners uh he's one of the hardest working men in sports broadcasting uh, he's the host of Showtime Boxing Pay-Per-View and Championship Boxing and Showtime Boxing Special Edition, uh, among many other credits, as well as the host of The Last Stand with Brian Custer. The last bit of information will have clued you in as to his identity. <laughs> yes, it is, of course, our good friend, Brian Custer. Brian, welcome back and happy new year. Thank you, Kieran. Eric, happy new year to both of you guys. It's great to be on. Um, let's start, if we can, with, with the, the heavy stuff kind of out of the way, with a with non-boxing question, if you don't mind. Um, look, obviously, I think everyone's happy to set 2020 on fire and, and watch it disappear into the rearview window for a, for a while. Um, there's obviously some hope that 2021 will see us turn the corner with the coronavirus. Um, but there are some other issues in our country that are likely to continue to prove somewhat intractable. Um, 
when we had you on last year, it was immediately after the killing of George Floyd. And, and you spoke very eloquently and powerfully about not just being a black man, but of being a black father in the United States these days. And, and I wonder if, you know, it feels like we can only focus on one thing at a time. And after that first wave, you know, obvious, for obvious reasons, we were back to the coronavirus, but mm-hmm. we still have this very, very important fundamental issue that is a scar on our country. And um, I'm curious as to how you feel at the end of 2020, whether we actually ended up making any progress on this issue of race in America at all. Well, I, I, you know, listen, I'm an optimist and I believe in hope. And, uh, and I think, you know, I believe in this country. And I think the first step was uh, a lot of times that I think we as a people, we take a cue from leadership. And uh, I, I was happy that, you know, we have new leadership. And that's the best thing going into 2021 is that we have a new person at the top. And I think that his attitude permeates throughout the people. And I think in our other uh, previous president, I mean, I think his attitudes uh, all of a sudden gave a segment of people uh, all of a sudden they felt like, you know, what, I can come out uh, in the open, whether or not I'm racist, whether or not uh, I'm misogynistic. Uh, hey, he is. Why can't I be? Uh, yeah. And if the free the leader of the free world can act like this, why can't I? And so I think to me, I, I, I have hope that we have new leadership and we have a guy who's kind, who believes in all people. And a guy who wants uh, the best for all people. And for me, I think that's the best sign of 2021 new leadership. And I think that we can take a cue from what he's going to bring. And that's equality. Even if you look at uh, his platform and the people that he's got in his cabinet, it's diverse. And I think that's what America is. It is diverse. And when we respect and we, uh, have a fundamental uh, want to learn about other people, I think this country is a lot better. And I think it's going to be a lot better over the next four years. And yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it said that uh, the, the new year and this particular year doesn't really start until January 20th. We're kind of still right. in 2020 until then. <laughs> yes. But, yes. Uh, then hopefully we'll be uh, on the right path after that. Absolutely. So 2020 will be remembered for a lot of things, uh, many of them negative. But one positive thing that you personally will remember 2024 is the launch of your podcast, which Kieran mentioned at the top, The Last Stand with Brian Custer. You had several interviews that got a lot of attention, none more so probably than your very interesting chat with Deontay Wilder. Uh, Kieran and I have talked quite a bit in recent months about the excuse making, the denial, the blaming. We've tried to play amateur psychologist a bit. What's your take about what's been going on with Deontay since he lost to Tyson Fury? Yeah, I, I think uh, explosive. Um, you know, listen, I think I was just as shocked as anyone else. Um, but you know what? I, I've, I've come to realize being in this business as long as I've, I've been in uh, and, and being married as long as I've been in, when, when someone has their feelings, it is their feelings and mm-hmm. you have to respect their feelings. You may not agree with them, but uh, who am I to say that you're wrong, that you feel that way? Mm-hmm. Now, he made a lot of explosive claims from the gloves to being drugged by his trainer uh, to a lot of things. And, you know, I tried to push him on those and, you know, he, was adamant uh, that boxing is uh, a corrupt sport and that people who you think are uh, been around you and smiling in your face sometimes can stab you in the back. And, 
and as I tried to point out, but Mark has been your trainer for a long time. And he, he just said, listen, you know, I have an edict and that is you never throw in the towel on me. And he did that. And I had to fire him. And he said, listen, and I think you might remember when he said, Brian, what would happen if you uh, disobeyed your boss? Mm -hmm. And I I told him, I said, yeah, I would be reprimanded. He said, exactly. And that's what I did. So, you know, that's his feelings. You know, when it came to the gloves, I tried to push him on JD's. I said, well, there's video of JD's watching Tyson Fury get his hands wrapped. Hmm. If that's the case, why didn't you fire JD's? And he said, listen, I gave JD's a big tongue lashing. um, But the reason why I didn't fire him was because uh, he didn't throw the towel in on me. It was Mark who did that. And I just felt like when I before I even came out into the ring, it was Mark who gave me my water. Listen. Even I was like most of y'all after we got through with that <laughs> interview, I had to, if I had hair, I would have been like this. <laughs> but then at the end of the day, I said, you know, what? those are his feelings. Mm. Uh, who am I, you know, to say that he's wrong. And that was kind of one of the reasons, you know, Kieran and Eric, why I, I asked him, are we at a point where maybe Deontay Wilder can't accept the loss? Mm. And he said, no, you know, no one wants to lose, but that's not it. I can accept the loss when I felt like I was uh, I've lost uh, fair and square. I was cheated. So uh, it, it, it was it was um, it was an interesting interview. I will <laughs> yeah. Say. Yeah. I, I was going to say this it might be the same answer, but I'm curious about whether, you know, you you had a, a number of great interviews. And I wonder if you had a favorite. Was there a guest who maybe you didn't know much about them going in or didn't know what to expect, but they kind of blew you away? Does anything kind of stand out to you? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, for, for me, I, th- I thought, you know, obviously I know him very well, but the, I think the first interview I did with Errol, uh, mm-hmm. and that was way back in the summer. And we did that, I want to say, like in June. And he was just very honest. That, to me, what I took from that was a very honest Errol Spence. A guy who said, you know, I became unified champ. And you know what? I, I started to enjoy it too much. You know, mm-hmm. I was using training camp as a means to try to get in shape. And there were a lot of fights where I was, I was, you know, going right into the week of the fight. I was overweight and using, I think he made him uh, said the Mikey Garcia fight where on the weigh-in day, he said he was four pounds over and mm-hmm. that he was in a sauna suit in a sauna sitting there throwing punches, trying to lose four pounds before the weigh-in. And then he had to get in to a hot sauna. And then I mean, right. some of the stuff that he said, I was like, oh, my gosh. And he said, look, I, I started enjoying myself. A lot of people were coming at me because I was the unified champ. There were a lot of people I had to take care of. And he said, you know, I got it. After that car accident, it was a wake-up call for me because I would have been taken away from my, my girls who I truly adore and I'm going to have to do some things differently. And so you're going to see me now be a champion. And that is stay in shape. Uh, I'm not going to be a, d- doing the partying that, that I was doing before. And I'm not going to take life for granted. So he was really honest and open. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, Bud Crawford is someone I had never met. I never know. And his people had reached out to me and said that he wanted to do the show. And, you know, he did it twice. And it was the first time we did it for over an hour. And there were a number of people who said, well, the thing with Crawford is he only talks to us for like 10 minutes and that's it. <laughs> exactly. But he was really open and honest. Yeah. And, you know, he, he uh, I thought to me was very striking where he talked about, yeah, how much he wanted to fight Errol Spence. But I thought it was really interesting when he talked about top rank and said, yeah. hey, look, yes, there, I, I, 
I'm in my prime. And yeah, there's, there's times where I feel like maybe my prime is going out the window because I'm not getting these big fights that I want with Errol, with Sean Porter, with Manny Pacquiao. And maybe it is time that I leave top rank and, and make a switch. And I, to me, that was eye opening that he was that honest. And, and again, we had never met, but he wanted, he, he just said that he had saw me on TV. He respected my work. Obviously I respect him tremendously as a fighter. And it was a really, really uh, interesting interview. So that was another one. I think Errol, I think Bud Crawford, you know, Keith Thurman was always entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Keith Thurman is just entertaining. And then I think one of the latest ones was Gary Russell Jr. Mm. You know, he's another one, you know, say what you want about Gary Russell Jr. He has his feelings about certain yeah. subjects and he's going to stick to them. And whether it is the reason why he only fights once a year and the reason why he hasn't been in these big fights with Leo and Tank and all these guys, you know, he is adamant that it is them who don't want to get in the ring with him. Right. And that's why those fights have not come to fruition. Yeah, we're big Gary Russell fans. We've had him on a few times and he's he's always good value. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is good. You're making us look bad, though, man. We've been coasting for years just like getting by and you just wander into this whole podcast world and start getting all these amazing interviews. I mean, come on, man. Hey, you, know, snack you, here. you guys know that it is hard work. It is mm-hmm. a lot of hard work. You know, not, not only getting our schedules coordinated, But then telling them, hey, look, I'm going to need at least 40 minutes, (laughs) at least, you know, because a lot of these guys are, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm on my way to the mall. Uh, Yes, exactly. And and I'm like, no, 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 no. I need you to be somewhere seated. Give me some good background uh, because we need to go about 30 minutes. But uh, it it is hard work. And, you know, when I when I started it, I said. I want to deliver the best and I want to deliver content that people, when they watch it, like, wow, they got something from that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's kind of why I work hard at it. And I think the people who I interview know that, you know, I'm, a, I'm going to give them the opportunity to say what they want, but I'm also going to ask them some tough questions, you know, and I tell them right off the book, Jeff, Hey, look, I, I got some tough questions for you too. So I just want to be honest with you. I'm going I'm, to I'm push you on some certain subjects and, you know, I, I, I'm happy that they're open to it and they're receptive to that. Yeah. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a survivor. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Well, in addition to the podcasting, you have the, this other little gig with uh, with Showtime that you got going for you. Um, looking back on the year in boxing on Showtime, you had to adjust to this new, if temporary, reality. Broadcasting from inside a bubble, no crowds at almost all the fights, constant testing, fights falling out because boxers tested positive. 
when you look back on the year, do you think you'll remember the fights like Javante versus Santa Cruz, the Charlo twins and so forth? Or will it be the circumstances and strange atmosphere that you'll think of first when you look back on boxing in 2020? Yeah, it's a great question. But I, to me, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I think, you know, so, some of the action in the ring uh, has been good. Uh, you know, obviously, Charlo, Darian, Vinchenko, really tough scrap between both of those guys. I thought it really people got their money's worth out of that. Uh, Jamal and Rosario, you know, the way uh, uh, Jamal, I should say, the way he stopped Rosario <laughs> and, and claimed that way. I mean, just a, a jab to the gut in the way Rosario <laughs> reacted to that was was something. Um, you know, obviously, that uppercut by Tank was I mean, I think that thing sent shockwaves throughout Texas. Uh, but, you know, I think also, too, is the arena because, you know, you hear so much more. You hear the thud of those punches yeah. now because there are no fans and all those mics are there. You hear everything. You can hear the corners. You can hear what they're saying. And then just the being in the in our bubble and, and when we were in Mohegan Sun, you know, it, it's different. The energy is different. I mean, it, mm. I don't want to say there's no energy. It's just different. And, mm. and I, I can honestly say that because when we were in Texas and there were, I think, 10,000 people for Tank's fight, um, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, you can hear the crowd, you can feel the music. And it was like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. It was such a different vibe. So to me, it's a little bit of both because we saw some really interesting fights, but then just the atmosphere of it is really different. And I know that we're going to start the year off again uh, kind of like in this bubble, but um, I I'm certainly looking forward to the day when we can have arenas filled with uh, rabbit boxing fans. Yeah, amen to that. Um, you know, you let's, let's look ahead actually to you know you mentioned we've got some fights coming up in the bubble. Um, got an excellent one coming up on January twenty third. Uh, one of the ones that got delayed by COVID. Um, Angelo Leo against uh, Stephen Fulton. Uh, I think. When it was originally supposed to be scheduled, uh, most people had Fulton as a favorite, but yes. Leo looks so good against Tremaine Williams. And now, you know, cool boy Steph, he's been on a bit of a layoff. Uh, who do you see as being a favorite going into that? Yeah, I think that's a, gr a really good question. I think probably uh, the odds makers will probably still make Fulton a slight favorite uh, into that. But I think uh, Leo showed uh, that, you know what, I, I, the, the recipe to stopping somebody who is a slick boxer um, and has a little bit of pop is going to the body. And man, he threw some vicious body punches uh, in that fight to claim the title. And I'm sure that that's going to be the same recipe that he'll do with Steven and cool boy Steph. Uh, and I think on the other hand, I think cool boy Steph wants to prove to people that he's not just a slick guy who can move in, that he's got some pop as well. I think a lot of it is kind of like what Chris Colbert did. You know, yep. everyone thought yep. that, uh, you know, I know, listen, I know he's primetime now. I still I still see him as a little beehive because we, we, <laughs> we called him that for years, you know, right. growing up in here in New York. Um, but, you know, everyone just thought in his fight that he was just going to move because he's going up against this guy who was supposed to be a bigger puncher. And what did Colbert do? He said, no, I heard it. And I wanted to show people that I can punch too. And he did it. And that was a really entertaining fight. And I think that's what you're going to see out of Fulton. I think Fulton will, will kind of step to Leo uh, in this fight and show that, no, I, not only do I have movement and I'm a boxer, but I got some pop as well. I think it's going to be, as you guys pointed out, a really entertaining fight. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, and here's another fight that uh, would be really entertaining 
if it happened, no one is sure if it will, surely at or near the top of everyone's wish list in 2021 is a fight between two of the guys you singled out as your favorite podcast guests from last year, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. Having spoken to both of those guys, what's your sense as to whether we will see that fight? You know, here, here's my hunch on that. Um, I, I think they both really want to fight each other. Um, but the business of boxing is always first. And I think that's what's going to take precedent over this. And I think both of them, it, 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 honestly, because they both have, have told me this, really, before they fight, they both want Manny Pacquiao. And mm. I think Errol right now really wants Manny Pacquiao first. Um, he even told me that. He said that, that before I move up, the two, before I leave 147, I need to fight Manny Pacquiao. I need to fight Bud Crawford. And, and I think, and this is just the sense that I get, um, that they're waiting because Bud said that his, his deal with top rank is over at the end of the summer. Right. Uh, with, and I think that's kind of what they're waiting. I think Errol would like to get like a Manny Pacquiao fight, let's say uh, early uh, or late spring, early summer, like maybe a, a May or something like that, do Manny Pacquiao. And then, you know, top rank and Bud Crawford could probably part ways in September. And then you do Bud Crawford at the end of the year. And I think that's kind of what they're they're waiting on because they think that it will be easier from a business standpoint if Bud is not with top rank when they finally meet up. Right. Mm -hmm. Would you say the pressure is more on Bud to ultimately make like if the fight doesn't happen? Is it Bud who probably gets a little more of the blame, do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think from Errol's standpoint, he can always say, hey, look, I, you know, I'm fighting I'm fighting the best. I don't know what this guy's doing over here. He's messing right. around with the Kale Brooks of the world and mm -hmm. guys who I fought years ago. Uh, look, look, you know, and top rank is kind of playing, playing around with him. They saying they don't know if they can promote him, if they can make money. I, I don't have time for games. I can continue to fight all of these guys that we got over here at the PBC. So you're right. I think more pressure and Bud knows that. And he's even spoken about that. Like, why, why am I being blamed for this? You know, we're, I'm trying to get these fights. Um, but I think ultimately the public will look at Bud and say, well, you know, you got, you got, you're not getting this done. Right. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has fought Manny Pacquiao and who you've also had on your podcast is Adrian Bronner. Um, he made news this past week by yes. posting on social media about, you know, he's had alcohol problems, but he says he's been he's been sober for a while. He says he's working on his weight and his training. Um, he's been given second chances, third chances, fourth chances, um, often by showtime, actually, uh, where he there's talk that he'll be showing up on February. Uh do you think this time is different? Can you sense a meaningful change in Adrian Bronner? You know, you're right. I think, you know, I think our president has a soft spot uh, when it comes to Adrian <laughs> <He does>. Bronner, <laughs> which is no surprise to you guys. I think he has a soft spot. Um, you know, I, I think even with talking with Adrian, and I will tell you this, even with talking with Adrian, and he realizes it, Mm. He knows that he is, whether he likes it or not, a really popular guy. And he's built up this, this image. And I think for him, sometimes he forgets how big that image has become. And so any little sidestep becomes a really big story. Mm. Um, but, you know, to that end, you're right. 
he has supposedly uh, been on the straight and narrow here lately, has certainly been working out. You saw him uh, during the holidays. He posted on New Year's and on Christmas running and working out and this and that. His people did tell me that, yes, we will be back on Showtime in February. They said right now they have got down to two. Uh, there are two opponents that they are trying to uh, uh, finalize a deal with and, and, and not nail down one of those guys. Is is this the reinvention of Adrian Broner? That's a great question. I think we'll find out in February. He said he was adamant that he will be uh, world champion again. Now he did say that he he will he will fight going forward here at 140. But I think in his return, he's going to be fighting at that Broner weight, which is in between <laughs> 140 147. So expect this this return fight to be like around 144, somewhere around there. Yeah, don't start saying things like Bronner weight. You'll give Mauricio Suleiman ideas, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you thought I said Bridger weight. No, there's right. a Bridger weight too. Right, right. And it's usually in that gray area of the 140 right. to 147. Exactly. Right, right. And, exactly. and, and it can change on the eave of the fight. What Bronner <laughs> right. weight can be redefined, yes. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, last topic for you here, Brian. Uh, I, I know we're, we're having fun now laughing, but we're we're going to make it a little little heavy again at the end, just as, as where we started with, with Kieran uh, with his first question. Go sort of big picture here. Uh, nobody is sorry to see 2020 go. Uh, 2021 has to be an improvement, both inside and outside of boxing. What is the one thing you most want to see in the 12 months ahead of us here? Um, I, I, I want to see great fights. Uh, I want to see I want to see Jerome Boots Ennis fight some of the top uh, welterweights. I want to see him, you know, against the Danny Garcia, which I think would be a really yeah. interesting fight when you talk about two Philly legends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. a legend in Danny Garcia. And then you got this guy who all of Philadelphia is looking at like, yeah, he's that dude. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see him against an elite welterweight. I don't care who it is. Uh, I'd like to see that. I think obviously uh, I would love to see Errol and Bud at the end of the year. I'd even love to see, you know, Errol and Manny Pacquiao. Um, I'd like to see uh, Canelo and Charlo um, yeah. get it get it on. Um, I, I'd like to see that kind of fight. And, you know, listen, I, I would like to see, uh, and I know how controversial it is, I'd like to see Deontay Wilder and, and Anthony Joshua. Um, I'd like to see the heavyweights, you know, get their round robin going again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, those type of things. Or even, you know, Joshua and Fury. Uh, so, you know, to me, those are the fights that I'm really, really looking forward to uh, the 130, 135 division. I mean, I like to see Tank and Garcia. I like to see Tiafimo and, and Devin Haney or Tiafimo and Tank. I mean, I want to see there's so much that 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 area from 130, 135, man, that thing is cooking. Yes. And why not have just like when when Leonard and Hagler and Hearns all, and Duran all just fought each other? Why not those young, 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 all those guys are under 25. Yep. Let's go ahead and fight. And uh, so I would love to see uh, all of those guys fight each other this year. Uh, to me, I think that would be a great thing for boxing. Uh, just really inject some, some excitement in the sport. Okay. So, yeah. so those are the boxing wishes. And then outside of boxing, I realize this turns into like a beauty pageant kind of question. Like what would you most like to see for the world in 2021? But, <laughs> but do you, do you have sort of a, a number one thing you'd like to see happen outside of boxing this year? 
Yeah, I think uh, hopefully that we, we, we can get past this pandemic. Um, I think that that's, that's my, my biggest hope there, that we can get past this pandemic um, rather early. I, I, would, I would like to think like by the spring um, that we can be, uh, get past the pandemic and get back to some sense of normalcy. And more importantly, have a better respect for people, their culture, uh, their religion, their race. Yeah. And, and, and to me, I think that that's what I would, that's what I pray for every night. And that I'm hoping for is that we get back to a place where we respect each other. And now that we have a better understanding of the plight of my people, um, that we have, uh, that we're empathetic and we listen. Mm. Um, and if we can do that and, and bring more equality uh, into the workplace and into the world, man, 2021 will be popping. Amen to that, man. Empathy. I tell you, it's what yeah. it's all about, isn't it, though? It's not that yeah. hard, but absolutely, for people, it is. Yeah, I mean, you just, we just have to listen. You know, yep. for me, I, I, that's the beauty of the podcast. We listen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. hey, listen, I, I may not agree, but you know what? I'm going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to respect that those are your feelings. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to respect them because those are your feelings. Yeah. Brian, look, man, I know that the year has got off to a chaotic and busy start for you. Yes, it and has, so yeah. <laughs> I we both really appreciate the fact that you put some time aside for us. It's always a delight to have you on and thanks so much for, for your support for the podcast and for us and let his hope in man, 2021 has got to be better. Right. Kieran, you know, you're, you're one of my favorite, Eric, obviously you too, man, you guys are done. A great job. I mean, with your thing, man, I, I, I kind of look up to what you guys have done and say, okay, I, I need to be like those guys here. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, aim, aim higher. Aim higher. <laughs> View us as the floor. I, I need exactly. to be at least, at least better than those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the work y'all do too. Thanks very much, Thanks, Brian. Brian. Take Thank care. You. Okay. Well, we've asked Brian what he most wants to see in boxing in 2021. Now it's our turn. Kieran and I have each written down a list of our five top wishes for the year. Neither of us has any idea what the other has on his list, uh, although we did agree to omit such pie-in-the-sky wishes as an end to sanctioning bodies or one champion per weight class. Fine things to wish for, but not realistic enough to waste a wish on. So these will be our top five wishes for 2021 that can come true. Uh, We'll take turns as we count down from five to one. Kieran will name his number five wish, then I'll do my fifth and fourth, Kieran will give his fourth and third, and so on. Duplicates are, of course, possible. Uh, One might even say probable, given our history. Uh, But that notwithstanding, let's begin. Kieran, what is your number five wish for 2021? My number five wish is that, and the one that I'm most confident that you also have, is that we see Tyson Fury in the ring with Anthony Joshua at least once in the United Kingdom. Um, This is a global fight and a global event featuring the two best fighters in the sports flagship division. It is the World Heavyweight Championship. But British boxing has been on a huge roll for years now. Some of the most exciting uh, competitors and events have come out of the island in recent years. And COVID permitting, this should 100% be at Wembley Stadium or some other such venue. It does not belong in Saudi freaking Arabia. <laughs> Nothing belongs in Saudi Arabia. I'm not letting this hobby horse go. I'm just not. Um, it's too much to hope 
for boxing to ever do the right thing. But I hope this is one occasion when, even if it's not for the right reasons, it does. Yeah, uh, that is, uh, I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, I love that wish. I love it so much that I have basically the exact same wish and I have it higher on my list than you. So I won't say anything else uh, just yet, but uh, fantastic way to start our wish list, I would say. (laughs) My number five wish for 2021 has nothing to do with fights. Uh, And uh, some might say this isn't a great use of a wish, but it's my list. So pipe down. Uh, That's right. My number five wish is a 2021 International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend that goes off (laughs) without a hitch. Does that giggle mean that's coming yep. up on your list? Of course. Uh, so something where the public is able to attend and it's safe and nobody gets sick. Maybe it has to get bumped from June to September in order to make that realistic. But for the sake of the Hall of Fame, they need this. And the sport of boxing and boxing fans could really use a celebration like this. And selfishly, I want to go there and podcast from the Hall of Fame grounds on the weekend. The most loaded group of fighters since Maybe the very first induction class goes in. Uh, And of course, if it happens and it's safe and well attended, that means the vaccine is being distributed and taken and America is close to beating this thing and getting back to normal life. So that's a a pretty good reason to root for this to happen. Yep. Uh, So you you will withhold comment until you get to the exact same wish uh, soon in this list, I guess. I will repeat exactly the words that you just (laughs) said, but there you go. Nobody nobody tunes into this podcast for dissent. Perhaps there will be some before we're done this list, or perhaps we'll have the exact same five wishes in a different order. We'll see. Um, At number four, um, I'm going back to a topic related to what we discussed in the opening segment of the podcast. I want to see the top 135-pound-ish guys fight each other, specifically among... Gervonta Davis, Teofimo Lopez, Vasily Lomachenko, Ryan Garcia, and Devin Haney, I want to see at least two fights in 2021 featuring combinations of those five guys. I don't think that's too much to ask for. So whether it's Lopez Loma 2, Lopez versus Davis, Garcia versus Haney, whatever the combo, I want two fights featuring those five pound-for-pound level talents. Yeah, yeah, good call. And I actually got a little nervous there when you said it was related to something that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, because my number four wish is also something that relates to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, I want earlier main event start times. Ah, and, yes, good call. you know, you and I just had what was for us the perfect start time as Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell walked <laughs> to the ring a little after 6 p.m. Eastern time. I'm not necessarily advocating for that across the board, although that would be great. Um you know, I take main events that start at 10 Eastern, uh, which seems to me a not unreasonable compromise between West Coast primetime and East Coast bedtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, even beside the fact that you and I are washed, there's the issue that still, I know it's been a thing for a long time, it just seems like a good idea for boxing to do a better job of not putting its prime attractions on so freaking late on a yep. Saturday night, whatever country it's in. Um, the UK tends to do a little bit better because of local noise and crowd ordinances and because so many people arrive and leave by mass transit. So the events need to sort of time themselves accordingly. But, you know, think about every every year baseball gets a lot of grief because it's big postseason games can end past midnight on the East Coast. Only boxing deliberately starts its yep. big events throughout the year at or close to that time. 
yeah, I, obviously I support this, and you'll be happy to know I did I did not think to put it on my list, so our lists will not uh, look identical when all is said and done. Um, but yeah, this is uh, absolutely worth wishing for. And it occurred to me watching the Garcia-Campbell fight that in the COVID era, in the lockdown era uh, particularly, there's no reason to do it later. It, the, this yeah. time, it's not like people are going out and doing a lot of stuff at 7, 8 p.m. that they won't be in front of the TV yet. 6, 7, 8 p.m., that's a perfect time to put something on TV. Everyone's just sitting around at home, especially with the weather exactly. being what it is. Why not put it in, in at that sort of time instead of forcing people to stay up past midnight? Agreed, agreed. Uh, my number three wish, it might come perilously close to the let's not wish for things that are not attainable. Um, but it's a fraction of one of those, and it might be achievable, um, and we'll see. Uh, basically, I hope that 2021 is the year of Bridgerweight. And by that, I mean I hope it's the only year of Bridgerweight. Um, <laughs> I like it. I hope that by the time 2022 rolls around, and look at me, I'm already looking forward to 2022. God, never satisfied. Um, I hope that by the time that happens, Bridgerweight has died an ignoble death. Um, not because, as we've discussed before, not because I'm unwilling to concede there's a case for additional weight classes or, or, or the like, you know, the limits that we have. One could make the case that they're arbitrary and capricious, blah, 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 blah. But because, as we've discussed already, this particular decision is unilateral. It's unnecessary. It won't solve the purported problem it has allegedly been created to address. And I hope that that is ultimately going to be what does cause it to uh, to wither on the vine when Mauricio realizes that all the good fighters uh, that would fit within Bridgerweight don't want anything to do with the stupid division and won't pay him the sanctioning fees. Um, and he realizes it's just, it's just not making him any money. Right. Um, and also because its name is silly and because the reason that it's given that name is silly and because its creation was a perfect example of an untrammeled ego run amok. It, it isn't the single most important issue in the sport, not even close, but it is, I think, representative of the stupidity and arrogance and money obsession and lack of thought and accountability in the sport. Uh, it is, it's the symbolic stupidity of the whole thing that offends me. <laughs> and if it just continues to sit there, it will just be another example of the horrible sclerosis that infests the governor of this sport um i believe it's too late already for there to be well there has been a a sanctioned bridgerweight contest in 2020 i don't think there's been mm. one yet in 2021 although there i saw some already there are minor bridgerweight titles i already saw that there's one sort of on the calendar for somewhere i won't be watching it um <laughs> let us make this to use my favorite recurring analogy from the simpsons let us make this a principal tamzarian affair and by 2022, we will all forgotten that it even existed. Yes, uh, that's an outstanding wish. It didn't. Uh, another one that didn't occur to me. You're thinking uh, outside the box and and conceptually, whereas I was sort of thinking other than my Hall of Fame uh, pick. I was thinking a lot about specific fighters and fights and things like that. So uh, excellent pick. Didn't make my list. This is great. We're uh, uh, ag agreeing, of course, with each other's wishes, <laughs> but we don't have the exact same wishes. So that's good. Um, my number three is a selfish wish. I wish for Canelo Alvarez to fight on Showtime in 2021. Yeah. Um, it's realistic, of course. It was fairly close to happening in December 2020. Yep. A lot of people will focus on what opponents they want to see Canelo face this year as they're making their wish lists. But I talked about that on our last show. I want Canelo versus Better Biev. I don't know how realistic that is. But if we don't get that great fight, 
there are a bunch of possible very good fights, several involving PBC fighters. We know that Showtime knows how to put on a big Canelo event and get it the attention it deserves. And it would simply make our job as podcasters more fun to have a Canelo fight or two to build around. Uh, I know, I'm a selfish bastard, but uh, but I'm also looking out for you, not just me, Kieran. Ah, you're a good man. Yes. Uh, All right, shall I move on to my number two wish? (laughs) Two, please do. Okay, Uh, it also involves a top pound-for-pound fighter facing the PBC elite. It's Terrence Bud Crawford. Mm -hmm. And my wish is simply that he starts facing the PBC elite, in 2021 the obvious wish would be to ask for bud versus errol spence and that is undoubtedly my favorite fight for him but i'll be a little less demanding with my wish and say that if bud faces sean porter or keith thurman instead in 2021 to make a spence fight even bigger in 2022 that's fine uh but you know he's gotta start fighting these guys he just can't keep delaying it Manny Pacquiao as an opponent while a big event and a massive name for Crawford to get on his record just doesn't cut it for me uh we don't know how much of Bud's prime remains he cannot afford another year against opponents that won't test him and don't get anyone excited yeah, agreed. And, and there's all this talk about how his contract with top rank expires in October. That's another year gone. Um, and he's 33 and as good as he is and as great condition as he appears to keep himself in, you know, even at that age, you just never know. Um, have we already, you know, missed the prime Bud Crawford? Uh, no, I, I agree with you. And, and even just just running out that clock till October is, is, is just, you know, losing another opportunity. And it's not only that he's not getting the exposure or the good fights, but as we've talked about, meanwhile, the likes of Errol Spence, all these other guys are getting the experience of fighting these top fights against yeah. top opponents, which he's not going to have by the time it comes around. So, yeah, I'm with you 100 percent there. OK. Uh, yeah. So my number two is to echo one you've already come up with, which is that I do hope there's that Hall of Fame induction weekend this year. Like you said, whenever. But as, but um, you know, one of the really important factors or reasons for it is, as you mentioned, the Hall of Fame is, is struggling as a result of the pandemic. It's an excellent institution. Ed Brophy's a terrific guy who works really hard uh, and the whole enterprise deserves success and support. Uh, the town of Canastota deserves it. Um, you and I obviously have been there. And as we keep telling people who haven't been there, you got to go. Yep. you got to go for a Hall of Fame induction weekend just to see the town turn out, to see the whole experience, to see how accessible everybody is. And yes, what a fantastic weekend to welcome everybody back from the pandemic with the just amazing list of, of fighters alone who are going to be inducted. So... Absolutely, 100%. I am 100% with you there. And as you mentioned, if there is a Hall of Fame weekend, it does mean that life is coming back to normal, which leads to my number one hope for boxing 2021. The thing I most want to see is crowds. Hmm. I want big crowds at big events, small raucous crowds at smaller events, enthusiastic, loud crowds that bring in the money, that club shows need to survive, that the mega fights need to get made, crowds whose roars come through the TV set, crowds that inspire the men and women to to greater heights, and not crowds that are ignoring safety requirements or taking everyone's lives in their hands. Crowds that are permitted because vaccination is now an everyday thing for everybody, uh, because the coronavirus is at least on the back foot and is reeling on the ropes with the, with the referee ready to step in and save it from further punishment, that life is 
back to some semblance of whatever the hell normal is going to be in the future. <laughs> um, yes, look, sport is trivial in the grand scheme of things. We understand that. But at the same time, I also think that this period has shown how much we all, um, so many of us enjoy sport and, and what a release uh, it can be. Um, and I also think that having watched a lot of sport, as we all have on TV, it's been, I think, a reminder of just how integral and important fans are um, to sports uh, for the participants, uh, as well as for those who, you know, who are watching. Um, it isn't going to be easy, uh, despite my suspicions, you know, after the Davis Santa Cruz pay-per-view that that was the last we'd see of crowds in the U.S. for a while. There have been a couple more, right. albeit all in Texas, which is the scenario I want to avoid, that it's right. only in places like Texas. Yep. Um, and meanwhile, the United Kingdom has halted all boxing events in January um, as the coronavirus New variant spreads there uh, with a decision yet to be made on February. Things are going to get worse still before they get better. They're getting worse on a daily basis. They're going to continue to get worse. But they are eventually going to get better. And that's what I want for 2021. I want a boxing world that for all its faults and flaws and blemishes is back to normal. That is reflective of a world that for all its faults and flaws and blemishes is back to normal. Yeah, that's my number one wish. That would be nice. It's a very good number one wish, and it it overlaps to a small yeah. extent with my number one, but my number one overlaps to a much greater extent with your number five <laughs> because it's exactly the same thing. Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua at Wembley Stadium in front of a packed house. Um, you know, just like you were just saying, and going back to my Hall of Fame wish, the packed house would say good things about where the humans stand in our battle with the virus. Um, but the main thing here is just this fight cannot take place without a crowd, yep. and it cannot take place in Saudi Arabia. Yep. Uh, these are two British heavyweights, two absolute superstars, two of the biggest names in all of sports in Britain. This has to take place in front of British fans drinking and singing songs and making this feel like Ali Frazier at Madison Square Garden because that's what this is, Britain's version yeah. of Ali Frazier. I don't know the seasons and the weather in England that well. You're you're the person to ask about that, perhaps, Kieran, but you know June and winter. <laughs> that's that's those are the seasons. Oh. Okay, so hopefully it can happen in June. <laughs> Um, I was thinking, I was thinking more like uh, late summer, early fall. That this feels like it should be doable. Yeah. Hopefully, in terms yeah. of the progress of the vaccine, but undisputed heavyweight championship decided in front of ninety thousand screaming fans. Make Amen. it happen, humanity. Amen to that. Yeah. And by the way, you want to know my number six, my top honorable mention? I'll just sneak it sure. in here quickly. That Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul tanks. <laughs> I would love for promoters to stop being so financially incentivized to keep making circus exhibition fights. Uh, but we can discuss that more a few weeks from now. And it, it's not a very realistic wish, if I'm being honest. No. You know what? It's so funny. That had something similar had made my sort of shortlist as well. But I just think I, I just had the headline something like stop the nonsense or something to right. that effect. Um, and, and, and you covered, you covered stop the nonsense pretty well with Bridgerweight. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. But then, you know, and then if you completely stop the nonsense, then we don't have any boxing, of course. <laughs> Good but, point. Good point. But... <laughs> right. Limit the nonsense. That's exactly. our hashtag for 2021. Yeah, that's not a very good T-shirt at all, is it? <laughs> no, no, it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, if you listeners like that segment, uh, you'll be pleased to know we are planning something similar as a regular feature this year on the podcast. Every other episode, one of us will present a top five list on a topic of the other co-hosts choosing. 
Uh, it's basically a four-episode rotation. Episode one, I assign Kieran a topic. Episode two, Kieran, having thought about it for a week, will present Mulvaney's top five. Episode three, Kieran assigns me a topic. And episode four, it's Raskin's top five. Then rinse and repeat. Uh, so here now, I shall give Kieran okay. a topic for a top five list to present on next week's podcast. Uh, and by the way, feel free to play along at home. Think about your own top yes, five on this do. topic. Yeah, tweet at us. Give Kieran ideas. Perhaps he'll, he'll, he'll want some input uh, as he's coming up with his list. Or you can wait for his list next week and then respond with your own on social media. Anyway, enough stalling. Here's your topic, Kieran. Inspired by Ryan Garcia saying, I guess pretty boys can fight. I'm <laughs> requesting your all-time top five pretty boys who could fight uh here's how i think of it in my early days covering boxing i had a co-worker at the ring i don't want to name names let's just say his name rhymes with schmo pantaloquito uh (laughs) and this person schmo had a running bit about how he could win a fight with oscar de la hoya and he was mostly kidding but there was some tiny piece of him that believed this nonsense because oscar was too pretty and schmo couldn't take him seriously so i've probably handed you a name to include on your list but that's okay i kind of think oscar was getting on there whether i fed you his name or not but there you go next week i want mulvaney's top five pretty boys who could fight and they've got to be objectively pretty right like i can you know struggle and then come up with somebody who's really not going to be on anybody's pretty lists. Uh, yeah, I would go with sort of consensus view of, of pretty rather than your own personal tastes as to what makes That's a Probably best on a pretty. lot of levels. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but okay. it is your list, so uh, ta- I've given you all the direction I want to give you from here. Take it in in, uh, in whatever, whatever path you want to go down with it. Okay, all right. That's a good one. I like that. Very right. good. I th- okay. So uh, another se- segment that we plan on dropping every week is the Tweet of the Week, and we're going to take turns in that as well. Uh, boxing being boxing, it shouldn't be hard to find something every week. Uh, it can be profound, which is unlikely, uh, hilarious, laughable, <laughs> bizarre, uh, whatever. Uh, in this first week, it's my turn to come up with the first Tweet of the Week, and I didn't come across anything particularly pithy. I think the ideal scenario is one of us goes, hey, so-and-so tweeted, and then you just come up with a tweet and then we discuss and laugh but kieran being kieran it actually has to be something a bit more complicated than that to kick us off <laughs> on the very actually, first week you couldn't go straight forward huh could not do it could not okay. do it so in fact i actually made it as complicated as i possibly could it <laughs> is a quote retweet by patrick connor of a tweet by manuk akopian which is a video of mike tyson on what appears to be the aforementioned logan paul's podcast in which tyson's mm. handed a handful of what supposedly are mushrooms and I don't mean, you know, like nice breakfast mushrooms here or, <laughs> you know, or anything like that. It's, right. it's, it's hallucinogenic mushrooms. And he yeah. just shovels the whole lot in his mouth <laughs> and spends like the next 20 seconds of the interview chewing away on these mushrooms. And as Patrick notes, quote, I've never seen anyone eat shrooms without gagging their head off. Uh, I can attest to this. Um, I've been a bit of a chap in my time, as a friend of mine, an English friend of mine would once say. Um, But when it comes to doing mushrooms, uh, there's a big, heavy sigh beforehand, a screwing up of the face and a deep intake of breath because, well, I just think raw mushrooms are just vile. Um, (laughs) But in this video, Mike is just chowing down. Hmm. Like, it's amazing. It's like it's it's birthday cake. Um, And so, as Patrick notes in his tweet, either those aren't shrooms or Mike is just a lunatic. Uh, It should be pointed out that the two are not mutually exclusive. (laughs) But I do wonder whether when the show was all over mike was tripping his head off or not <laughs> right 
So I haven't actually uh, seen this tweet and this clip. I will have to seek it out and and watch it for myself. But there's a, a very short list of people who I would believe have some sort of superhuman ability when it came yes. to, comes to just shoveling drugs of, of, of any kind in their face and, and either being unaffected or at least being able to roll with the effects. Uh, Tyson is on that list. So, uh, nice. yeah, I, I, w- I would be curious if the camera kept rolling. Uh, however, however, I, you might also wonder whether you could tell with Mike, right? right like, right. is he high? Is he not? Apparently, I actually found a story about because I wasn't going to watch all of this podcast, but I did find somebody who wrote it up where he actually said allegedly during this podcast that he was high when he fought Roy Jones, which is possible. I sure. don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> but apparently, he also said during that podcast to Logan Paul, Floyd's going to beat your effing ass. Ah. Okay, so he's not he's not so he wasn't so, that right, right, <laughs> right. His his head was screwed on straight enough to at least uh, be able to identify reality in that case. Exactly. Okay. All right. Look, just a few news items to cover for the couple of weeks we've been gone. Uh, we'll do this segment a little differently this year too. We'll touch on the undercard news of the week, uh, and then give a bit more attention to the main event of the news week. Uh, I want to open up with a couple of news items that caught my eye. Uh, involves two boxers getting into trouble, or potentially so, for very different reasons. Um, first of all, Mike Carpenter of The Athletic tweeted just before Christmas that, <laughs> this is so Kovalev, that Sergei Kovalev had been caught live-streaming the Canelo Alvarez-Callum Smith broadcast over his social media channels, uh, and therefore could conceivably be subject to legal action from DAZN uh, just a matter of weeks before he's scheduled to fight on DAZN. Um, more seriously, uh, former 130-pound contender Justin Juko has been released without charge by the Ugandan military after being detained for 19 days on charges of treachery and firearms possession prior to that country's general election on January 14th. U.S. Congresswoman Karen Bass of California, apparently among those who petitioned for his release. Um, the country's president, Yosuari Museveni, is running for re-election. He's been in power since 1986, when Ronald Reagan was U.S. president, Margaret Thatcher was British prime minister before Joe Biden had even run for president once. (laughs) Wow. Uh, There are plenty of problems with the American system of government. It's far from perfect. But thank goodness we have term limits. Uh, Nobody should run a country for 34 years. You get the wrong people in charge and... You see the damage they can do in, say, four years, just to throw a totally hypothetical Hypothetical. number out there. Yeah. So, yeah, 34 years of one guy who detains peaceful objectors. That's not good. Uh, As for Kovalev, the wheels just keep coming off one at a time. I'm not sure there are any wheels left. At best, he's on a unicycle at this point. Maybe that's being generous. Maybe he's on a pogo stick. Um, But, you know, if he's fighting on DAZN later this month, yeah, something tells me there won't be any serious Aye. repercussions for this. Yeah. Um, in other news, we have some more typical boxing news items concerning a couple of fights that have been postponed and a couple more that are apparently under consideration. Archer Betterbiev's scheduled January 30th light heavyweight title defense against Adam Danes has been postponed for the second time after the champion tested positive for COVID-19. Canelo Alvarez continues to keep us all guessing and guessing wrongly, as it appears he is now lining up a mandatory defense of his super middleweight titles against Avni Yildirim in Mexico in February, which would leave him clear for a Cinco de Mayo weekend defense, possibly against Billy Joe Saunders, which would continue to leave Gennady Golovkin on the outside looking in. Matchroom's Barry Hearn has expressed interest in matching Triple G with Demetrius Andrade, while Oscar De La Hoya has claimed that he's close to an agreement for Golovkin to face Jaime Munguia, a matchup that, you may recall, the Nevada Commission refused to sanction in 2018. 
Kieran, any thoughts on these rumored matchups or you want to wait until fights are confirmed to weigh in? Uh, yeah, I think by and large, probably the better, the, the latter is probably better, but I, I will just note that I had actually heard, uh, independently of Oscar's generally factually questionable tweets and interview answers that, that Triple G Mungia might be a possibility. I like it more now than I did in 2018. I didn't hate it in 2018. Um, is bigger and stronger and mm-hmm. seemingly better and Golovkin's somewhat diminished in all aspects of his game. But yeah, we'll talk about it, I think, when or if it is confirmed and slash or about to happen. Uh, And similarly, we have spent a lot of time on this podcast uh, trying to figure out what Canelo is going to do next. Um, The one thing that I think is interesting, and Twitter, of course, noticed it, it surely wasn't an accident that he was wearing a Matchroom branded face mask on Saturday. Mm. Did you notice that? I I did not, but uh, now that you mention it, I assume that he was, since you wouldn't make such a thing up. Oh, God, no. Uh, the major news item, though, of the last couple of weeks uh, is the passing of former 140-pound champion Frankie Randall at the age of just 59. Um, if you don't know anything about him, you just look at his record uh, independently of everything else. It doesn't look bad and impressive. 58, 18, and 1 with 42 KOs. But he fought just about everybody there was to fight in and around his weight division at the time, from Edwin Rosario to Juan Martin Coggi and Antonio Margarito. Uh, most famously, of course... He was the first man to hang an L on the professional record of Julio Cesar Chavez, dropping him in round 11 on his way to a points win in 1994. Chavez controversially won a rematch. And I tell you, it was his Chavez's behavior in that rematch that really turned him full heel in my mind, mm-hmm. really. Um, and then Chavez won a third bout when both men were way past their primes. Um, Eric, your thoughts and memories of Frankie the Surgeon Randall. So by the time I joined the Boxing Beat in September 1997, Randall was done as a top fighter. Uh, his, his final title reign had ended in January of 97, and he went 5-13 and 13 over the remainder of his career, mostly serving as a stepping stone for the next mm-hmm. generation of welterweights and junior middleweights. But in his prime, he was one hell of a fighter, really smart and skilled and tough, and he got hosed in that rematch with Chavez, as we discussed on the podcast last year with Steve Farhood, when we revisited that Revenge the Rematches card. Through 1996, Frankie Randall was 53-4-1 and one with 40 KOs. That record tells you a lot more than the final mark of 58-18-1. Yeah. Look, because I didn't cover him in his prime, didn't know him, never interviewed him, I'm not the guy to pay proper tribute to Frankie Randall. But I know that he was an outstanding fighter, and he was way ahead of his time, a non-doctor covering his face with a surgical mask some (laughs) 25, 30 years before the rest of us. Uh, But seriously, this was very sad news, an appropriately crappy way to end 2020. No boxing greats are allowed to die in 2021. Okay? Deal? There you go. We'll see how that works out. But that that was one of the unattainable wishes that you had on your short list that didn't yeah. include and that yeah, yeah probably not realistic but i'm okay. i'm wishing for it us to go as deep into 2021 as we can before we hear of the first uh, boxing okay. death <laughs> all right uh that will do it for this week's episode of showtime boxing with raskin and mulvaney many thanks again to brian custer for dropping by this week uh, we will be back next week until then thank you for listening be safe be kind and be well It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. 
cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with the pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.